Yeah, we're on the air. How we doing, brother? All right, we're ready to go. All right, we're going to uh, take our Bibles. Let's go to Revelation chapter 10 today as we get started. And uh, good to see everyone that's made it out to our services today. And those of you that are in uh, Facebook land or might be uh, hearing the message over some other venue, we're glad that you're with us as well today. We do want to remember today the uh, Meany family. I don't know how many of you have heard this, but the bro bro brother Mark Meany uh, has gone home to be with the Lord. Uh, he, in fact, the... He has for many years been the editor of the uh, paper that now Matt Stepp is going to be uh, the editor of. But, uh, you know, he's a faithful man of God, or he was a faithful man of God upon this earth. And uh, I know that he has moved on elsewhere, but uh, we want to pray the Lord will just continue to bless and direct. All right, you got to get this all set up again. All right, we're going to go to Matthew or Revelation chapter 10. And we're going to read uh, from verse 11 down to Revelation chapter 11, uh, verse 14. So all of these are together, and uh, what we are looking at is the seventh angel as uh, he is making his proclamation. But we also want to understand that these are arguments that are hard to argue, but they're easy to understand. So while uh, we're getting on the air, I don't want to delay the uh, circumstance whatsoever. We've got to get into some good meat here today. Let me just say this, is that many times when we look at the Word of God, one of the things we need to understand is that the simplest truth will oftentimes be in the coalition, if you will. I mean, we don't have to manufacture anything. We literally have a wonderful opportunity for us to see things how they should be. Uh, when things are, when we have to become so crafty with our own imagination, our own teachings, then we really are forgetting it. I love what Brother Joe Collins said one time. When the simplest truth is read, that is the simplest thing to consider. And he was actually at that time preaching on 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verses 13 through 18. He said, for people to try to say, well, that means this, this means that, that means this. He said, I'm just an old country boy. I think that's what Brother Joe Collins pointed it out. And he said, so when we take a look at the simplest understanding, the simplest aspect, he said, that's what should make the most sense to us. Well, let's see if that's not true here in the book of Revelation, chapter 10, verse 11. And he said unto me, thou must prophesy again before many people and nations and tongues and kings. And there was given me a reed like unto a rod. And the angel stood up, saying, rise and measure the temple of God and the altar and them that worship therein. But the court which is without the temple leave out, and measure it not, for it is given unto the Gentiles, and to the holy city shall they tread underfoot forty and two months. And I will give power unto my two witnesses, and they shall prophesy a thousand, a thousand two hundred and threescore days clothed in sackcloth. These are the two olive trees and the two candlesticks standing before the God of the earth. And if any man will hurt them, fire proceedeth out of their mouth, and devour their enemies. And if any man will hurt them, he must in this manner be killed. These have power to shut heaven, uh, that it raineth, rain not in the days of their prophecy, and have power over waters to turn them to blood. 
and to smite the earth with all plagues as often as they will. And when they have finished their testimony, the beast that ascendeth out of the bottomless pit shall make war against them, and shall overcome and kill them. And their dead bodies shall lie in the street of the great city, which spiritually is called Sodom and Egypt, and where also our Lord was crucified. And they uh, of the people and of the kindred and tongues and nations shall see their dead bodies three days and a half, and shall not suffer their bodies to be put to the graves. And they shall dwell upon the earth, shall rejoice over them, and make merry, and shall send gifts one to another because of the two prophets, for uh, tortured them and dwelt in the earth. And after three days and a half, the spirit of life from God entered into them, and they stood upon their feet, and great fear fell upon them, which saw them. And they heard a great voice from heaven saying unto them, Come up thither. And they ascended up to heaven in a cloud, and their enemies beheld them. And the same hour was there a great earthquake, and the tenth part of the city fell, and the earthquake was of men, excuse me, and the earthquakes were slain of men, 7,000, and uh, 7,000 and the remnant were frightened and gave glory to God of heaven. The second woe is past, and behold, the third woe cometh quickly. Let us pray. Again, Father, we want to thank you for the blessings that you bestow upon us and that you will help us in this day to understand the things that are given. We know, Father, that uh, the things that we have before us are again in print. But we pray that you will help us to understand the things that are written. And guide us, dear Father, that we may be faithful unto you in all that we say and do. Help us, dear Father, to be faithful. Help us, Father, to walk worthy of the calling that you have given us. And Lord, may we take the word of God and hide it in our hearts in a very special way. We rejoice in thy name. We pray that you will guide and bless. May we ever look to you, the author and the finisher of our faith, and we will rejoice in thy name. For it's in Christ we pray. Amen. All right, so as we take a deep breath of air, let's put it this way. I don't expect everybody that hears what I've got to preach uh, from outside of this church to believe exactly what I preach. Now, there's a, there's a lot of positions, okay? There's a lot of people, including amongst the Baptists, where they have what they call the, the post-trib, the mid-trib, the amillennial position, the pre-trib, which we are, and on and on. In fact, I remember that I was sitting on a ordination one time with this young man, and they asked him the question, what is your position of eschatology? And he goes, well, I'm a pantheist. And he said, a pantheist? What does that mean? Well, it's all going to pan out in the end. Do you realize that we have a responsibility to not only understand what the Bible teaches us, but to be able to answer with a good conscience every little piece of it. Now, for me, you know, I, I, the first time that I heard the amillennial position, it didn't make sense. Now, that was just me, and I understand that it, it strives and it connects with a, an intellect that most people don't understand. They go to the historical intellectual period. I also understand those people that had the mid-trib, and again, it didn't make a lot of sense because for it to really be in a position of mid-trib, then what we're saying is, is that there has to be another little issue that's going to go on. What does that mean? Why do we have the pre-trib position if it doesn't have real impact upon us? 
So I look at every little thing, every little detail, and I wonder where people go to with one of these things. So when I look at it, the simplest truth is the thing that we come out of Scripture. Now here's the interesting part. We're going to start today with the two witnesses, but before we do that, we have verse 11 of Revelation chapter 10. I want you to see what it says. Look at it again. And he said unto me, Thou must prophesy again before many prophets and nations and tongues and kings. Now, to me, that one verse kind of gives me a little bit of alluding. By the way, I do have new notes in the back if you're uh, wanting to have some, if you're staying up with the notes. But one of the things that we look at was the, the promises that were given by uh, the Lord to John, saying that you've got to do this. Now, of all the apostles, only the apostle John is thought of as the only one that lived, you know, all the way to a natural death. Now, before he was took to the Isle of Patmos, he was literally boiled in oil. That's what tradition teaches us. That's what the uh, recording of history points out. But he survived that in a miraculous way because we all had no harm on him. And so they said, well, we know how to get rid of you. We'll put you on this barren strip of land called Patmos. And when they came back, they expected John to actually be dead. But surprise, surprise, the Lord had fed John just like he fed every, every, all the uh, Israelites when they were in the wilderness. And not only that, he said uh, to him, he said, you have to return. So I want you to look at verse 11 again. You have to return. Now this is in line with what was also given in the Gospel of John, chapter, uh, you know, the last chapter, chapter 21. Let's go over there real quick, and I want you to see what he said to John, uh, and also with Peter. Now remember this, is that uh, Peter has already been rebuked by the Lord Jesus Christ. You denied me three times, I'm going to ask you three times, do you love me? Now, mind you, uh, when he says, feed my sheep, feed my sheep, feed my sheep, well, the reality is, is that uh, you, you see this word agape that is used in uh, the love period, but the first time that, that uh, Peter mentions it is filial love. But I want you to see what happens. I mean, how many of us have ever been in the doghouse before? When you're in the doghouse, I guarantee you, you want out of the doghouse. Meaning, uh, the reality is, is that there are so many people that they are against you in so many ways, and, and you're thinking, how in the world can I get out of the doghouse? Well, watch this. In verse 20 of chapter 21 of the Gospel of John, it says, Then Peter turned about, seeing the disciple whom Jesus loved following, which all Now, Peter didn't, yeah, I mean, this is a beautiful verse because people still didn't know who was the one who spoke out against Jesus Christ who betrayed him. Look at verse 21. Peter seeing, seeing him say to Jesus, Lord, It seems like the only time that Peter opened his mouth was to exchange feet. I mean, really, if you take a look at it, Peter made a muddle of his life in many ways. But 
Then the Lord said to him, What is that to be? is a promise. You're not going to die on the Patmos. You have to take this message and deliver it not only to kings, but look what it says here. And many people, nations, and tongues, and kings. So you have the responsibility to take the things that I gave you and deliver them to the people. Now, do you know States because we're a great melting pot. I remember one time when I was pastoring in California that uh, I had this lady call me from Oakland, California. She goes, are you all a black church? And I said, well, what do you mean are we a black church? She goes, well, I just want to know. I said, we are a multi-congregation. She said, what does that mean? I said, we have some blacks. I said, we have some whites. We have some Polynesians. We have some Filipinos. We have Mexican-Americans. We have, and I went down the list, and she goes, you had that much diversity? I said, oh, I haven't even hit all the diversity. And the reality is, is that when we see so many people and the diversity of messages that goes in, it lets me know that this, verse is, this one little verse is still in place. It's got to go to many people and nations and tongues. What's tongues mean? The word Meaning that it is a diverse conversation that is going out, it's going to many languages. So I speak English, I speak enough German to get myself in trouble. So I speak German, I speak English, but guess what? I met a lady that uh, the other day, she spoke fluent Spanish. 
And yet, the same message is going out to the Spanish-speaking people. We have it in Hebrew, we have it in Greek, we have it in, you name it, it's there. But here's the reality. This message is never changing. Now, we have to really get it figured out and settle upon it. Now, I'm not inviting anyone to come in to debate me because I don't like debate. Not only that, but I think that there's a real to bring a into the picture. And the fallacy I see oftentimes is that we have people that they want to solely get into this debate process. And they think that, well, I can convince the congregation to follow after me. That is where Alexander Campbell was able to convince so many people to leave the Baptist churches, and they were called Campbellite Baptist because they believed you could lose your salvation. That means that basically you are going to hold this to yourself and not trust in God for the avenue. Nowhere do I ever find that this is required of us to have debate. We are to follow God. Let your, let your yea be yea and your nay be yea. Now, notice again. So John was, this is the premise that we have as we start chapter 10, verse 11. And then we go right into verse 11, and immediately the message continues. Look what it says. And there was given me a read, like a the word rod, and did you notice the word read? So a rod that was being used, it's a surveyor's measurement. And I, at one time I used to know how many rods were in, in, in a, an acre, a square acre, but I don't remember that now. But the reality is, is that a rod is designed to help you measure to keep the survey in place. Now, once this was put in, the one question that came in was this. Well, why is he measuring everything that is there? Look at verse 2. And the because already there is much more persecution that's happening. So the temple is and the statement is, but leave out the court. Now, I didn't bring up a picture of this, but I do want to get sooner or later, we want to go back in and study the tabernacle. It's a beautiful picture. And then a fence if you ran around. And once again, the only place that people were allowed into this holy area was through the door, through the gate. And even then, you had a high priest that would take and look at the lamb or the sacrifice that they were going to offer, whether it was going to be meal or two total doves, whatever it might be, and decide if it was a worthy sacrifice to be offered 
unto God. And once that was there, but now here's the thing that's interesting. The, the, the opportunity that we see here is that you can measure everything but leave out the court. Now, I've oftentimes wondered, why wasn't the court It has about 800,000 people. So it's a pretty good sized city. But when you take a look at the, the whole section on this large plateau. And where this temple used to be on this large plateau, they could say, you know what? We could have both temples upon this rock. We could have both temples upon this flat. We could have the Dome of the Rock and the signs that say coexist. Do you realize that there is a going to look like the brazen statement of the Antichrist saying, see, I brought peace. I brought peace. You know, it's interesting, Brother Randy and I and were talking about this a little bit earlier today, about how many people are suddenly concerned with what's going on in Israel. Now, understand this. I've had so many people saying, is this the time? Is this the time? Is this the time? There's so much confusion. And sadly, 
go down to the very end of, it, of this chapter. Let's look at verse 13. Titus chapter 2, verse 13. And it says, looking for the blessed hope. Bible teaches us very clearly that he shall return. Now what else does it say? These things speak and exhort and rebuke. Do you realize we have the authority to exhort, which means to lift up, rebuke that which is not, not correct. Now, if another man wants to study with me, and I, I fell into this. Many years ago, I had someone that they decided that uh, they wanted to help me along with my theology. And the first thing they said is, we have to agree. I said, no, we don't. When anybody tells me I have to agree or we can't get anywhere, no, I can't. We're not going to go there. Because reality is, and, and literally, when I was studying with this individual, we couldn't even get past Revelation 1.1. Because it said, the word quickly is used, which means it will happen very rapidly when it starts. And he goes, well, we know comfortable here because not only do I believe in the pre-tribulational position but every member of this church is in the pre-tribulational position. Look what else it says. Let no man despise thee. Do you know what that means? Take the word of God let it stand for itself and let no man find means whereby that they can correct you. Let me just stop here for a second. And I know we'll probably not get anywhere near finished with our notes today. But I want to point out something to you that is very important. 
do not hold to the creeds that have happened through the centuries. By the way, just if you want to write this down, you can. But the word canon means the Bible. Do you know who settled the canon? If you say the Nicene Creed, you're wrong. John the Beloved was the one who, who said, this is scripture and this isn't. But the argument... Creed. Now, ready for this? We're, or the, the Council of Nicenia, if you want to go back into it. The, re, the reality is, that was assembled because Constantinople had literally come back in and said, I want this Nicene Council. It was not called or not. And immediately someone stood up and said, Here's the primary reason that they had it was so that they could determine when Easter was going to occur. I'm serious. But along the way, that you have in your lap. Is that God's word or not? We believe
Now, let me just say this. If there's a more perfect world, then it's going to follow in line with the Texas Receptus and the, and the Masoretic Text. The reality is, we have faltered. We've not been good teachers. We've not been good teachers. We've not been good teachers of the Greek. We've not been good teachers of the Latin. We've not been good teachers of the Hebrew. And we're not even good teachers over the English. And reality is, is we're so afraid of what the, what the book of Revelation says, we're almost afraid to even open it up, but God tells us to do so. I've known people that they have never studied the book of Revelation, and now, like Johnny come lately, they want to have all the answers. It isn't that easy. You, because everything that you read, now think about this for a moment. I, I, I want to stop here for a second. Do you realize the Old Testament always depicted when Christ was coming? And I'm talking about the coming of the first time. And no matter how you look at it, from, the, from Genesis all the way up to Malachi, you had the forecalling of the Jews to the coming of Christ. In his birth, all to read the book of Zechariah. Because in the book of Zechariah, there's one passage that I still have trouble understanding. That's chapter 12. And it says, And they shall look upon him whom they pierced. But it is a remorseful statement. In other words, they know that one that they're looking upon is the one they put to death. But they are accepting of who he is. All right, it's now until we have to uh, get ready to cl uh, close with our services today. We'll pick up the Lord's willing on uh, point number two, who will preach. Let us go to the Lord in prayer as we close out. Again, Lord, I want to thank you for your blessings and help us now, Father, to take the word of God that you give us. And may we study it, may we learn it, may we grow from it. And help us, dear Father, to be faithful unto thee in all things. In Christ we pray. Amen.